Okay, we're learning Dalit. We're starting right from the bottom. Lamed Gimel and Beis. So the end of the mission, we said that you're allowed to transfer fire, but you're not allowed to create a fire from new. Molot is an issue of making something new on Yantiv. Then the mission continues. You can't heat up a tile with fire. So the question is, why not? What's the issue? It sounds like you want to heat it up. So all you're doing is um, transferring fire. Uh, so what's the what's the issue here? So the Gemara explains, We're dealing with a brand new tile. And the reason why it's also to heat it up for the first time, because it needs a test. Meaning, you're not when you make a tile, you don't know if it can endure extreme heat. You don't know if it's going to last, or if it's going like to break right away. So if you don't know if there's going to be a crack, so it's usher. So Rashi explains what's usher about it. It might turn out that you exerted for no reason. It might turn out that all your tercha here and trying to harden it more was for nothing. So there's no iser in and of itself of heating up a tile. There's nothing really in itself wrong with that. As long as you know it's going to work and everything, that's fine. The issue is simply that if it will break and it will be a crack because it's never been tested to that extent and it will crack, it will turn out that you are wasting your time and you, you were busy with something for no reason. So therefore, better not to do it on Yantip, which is an interesting thing. You're going into it doing something which is essentially permitted, but if it doesn't work out, then you wasted your time, and therefore we say not to do that. People say a different track because they need to harden them. Meaning when you use a new tile for the first time, they get hardened. So what happens when you harden it? So basically we're saying it ends up being considered like a, a making of a cleat. That's the idea. The hot tile, until the tile, until it, um, until it is new, it's not considered hard enough. And only once it's, uh, it, when, the, when you use it the first time, that new heat hardens it. So therefore, we say it's not supposed to do not supposed to do such a thing. Now the question is: Is this only? Um, but still, why is it usher? Eventually, you're going to cook food on the tile, right? That's the point. It sounds like it's something that you 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 like heat up really hot and then you cook on it. But it could be that we're going that machshirah are not permitted. Um, that would seem to be the push-up shot. That that's what our Mishnah holds. And since it's only preliminary, it's like you're making an oven, kind of, right? You're you're, you're making it. You're, you're making this hot, heating this thing up so that you'll then go and go, go ahead and cook. So therefore, it shouldn't be done. But it's not so clear why you should think about it that way. In other words, normally you're allowed to obviously heat up an oven. That's not called mashiach olavish. But here the word is, it's not just that you're heating up the tile. You're you're changing it. You're hardening it. It gets hardened through it and becomes more of an effective facilitator cooking. So it's like a mock of a pot that's kind of going on um, when you're when you're hardening it. So bottom line is we have two different explanations why you can't heat the tile with fire. Either it might since it's new, it might break and might waste your time. Or the, the Vard is that since it's new, you're hardening it. It's like you're finishing the production of the clay. So now we say to Nanas, we introduce a different din, which is related to us. Let's say you have a bird, darts, or somebody stepped on a bird, got smacked against the wall, an animal crusher, but this bird is still fluttering around, meaning it went, underwent some serious trauma, but it's still fluttering. If it remained alive for 24 hours, and then you slaughtered it after that share, it's still kosher. So what we're talking about is the laws of trefa. Trefa is that an animal with a defect that's going to make it die is not kosher. It's called a trefa. Even if you do a shkita, you can't eat it. So the question is, if it undergoes one of these traumatic things, is it a trefa? It's called risikevarm. Risikevarm is like, you know, it's like all the organs may be like not in the right spot and right intact and that because it went, underwent such a thing. So we're saying even as long as it was still fluttering and it survived for 24 hours, after the experience, and if you shaft it, it's still kosher. That's the halacha. It's not automatically just because it went through it. Uh, consider treifa. If it, that's the, always the big thing. It has to be mafarchases. It's still showing signs of life, and it's able to exist that way for 24 hours. And the shechita is good. 
However, there's a machmer opinion. You have to inspect it. Meaning, normally when you shack the animal, you don't check to see that it's not a trafer. You don't have to go through each organ and check that there's no holes, there's no this, there's no that. Why is that? If there would be a, de- a defect in the organs, it'd be a trafer. The answer is, you can assume it's not. Why? Growth. Most of the time, the most majority of animals are not trafer. So, you know, we do check the lungs, halacha practically, because that's more common to find... Um, but most of the trefos, the possible issues, we don't check. So we're saying here is that in this scenario, this time it holds you have to, you have to do the Even if it's noticeable? Even if it's what's noticeable. Yeah. Oh, yeah, if you can see it, if you see it's a trefo 100%, you can't eat it. Yeah. But we mean like, there's so many of these like, you know, um, inside. yeah, inside the organs where there's really little holes, little defects, and we don't even bother checking, we just go with rope. We're saying in this case, that it went, th- went through this trauma, it has to be checked. So now we see why this is re- relevant to us. Could you shech such a bird on Yantav? So why, yeah, why not? Do we assume that there's a problem and therefore it's a chashash you're being mechal Yantav or not? So again, the point is you're not allowed to do malach on Yantav, right? You're allowed to do it for achol nefesh. So when you shech the trefa, you're not allowed to do that. If you know it's a trefa, you're wasting, right? You're not doing a malach on that's a sarach achol nefesh. You're not able to eat it. If it's not a trefa, you're able to eat it, then of course you could. So here, you're shechling a bird which you know that after, the, after you follow with the shechita, you're supposed to check it. So you don't know that it's trefa, you don't know that it's not a trefa. You can kind of like assume it's not, but you're supposed to check to make sure. Are you allowed to go into that matzav and shecht? Let's bring a proof from our Mishnah. What did we just say? You're not allowed to roast, heat up the tiles in order to, 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 to roast the food on them. But we said, my God, what's the issue with heating up the tiles? We explained, it's a new tile. And we explained that you have to test it. That was the issue, is that it might not endure the, the, the heat. It might crack. And if it cracks, then you wasted your time and you, and you, and you exerted on Yantar for no reason. So what do we see? We see that even though it's only a possibility, it's a suffix, what's going to happen? We say, don't shecht initially. I'm sorry, don't heat it up initially because of the possibility it might crack. The heat might crack the tile. And it will come out that your terechah was shalol so be, same way over there, because of the possibility that it was going to be Shalot Zorach, we say you're not allowed to heat it up. So to hear with the shechita of the trefa bird, since it's possible that it might be a trefa, right? We see that we're nervous it might be a trefa. So therefore, you're not allowed to shech to begin with. Because, because otherwise, you want to say you're allowed to shech the bird, then you should say you're allowed to heat up the tile. Because in both cases, again, it might end up working out. So Rabbi Yirmiya says it's not a proof. Remember, we had a second reason. One person said because you might, you need to test it, it might break. But the other reason was because you have to harden them, right? And the idea was that the heat, since it's new, is going to harden it. It's going to make it a better, a better tile. So therefore, it's not a good analogy to the trampled bird. If I have a suffix, if someone's going to go right or wrong, maybe, maybe you're allowed to do it. The case here with, uh, with the tile is that, is, that, is that because it's a new one, the heat is for sure going to harden it, and that's the malacha that's being done. So therefore, there's no proof over to the case of the bird. All right. Here's a very famous bride. here. Tanya says in bride, one person brings a fire. One guy does a, bride, a fire. So when he's doing that, when you bring a fire, it's mavir. Right? You're doing avar because as you move it, it like as you carry it through the air, uh, the coal, coals flare up as they're brought through the air. So like you're moving fire, the coal is going to flare up. So one guy's bringing the fire. Maybe he's eating Another guy's bringing the wood. A third person puts down an empty pot into the right position. Another guy brings water and obviously puts it in the pot. Another guy adds spices. And then the last guy stirs the pot with a ladle. 
Kulam Chayavim, they're all liable for violating Shabbos. So we're talking about Shabbos, okay? So there's one guy who brings the coal, he's doing Mabir. He's kindling because as he's walking, the coals are flaring up. The guy who brings the wood and adds it, adds it to the fire, it's also Mabir. You put wood and fire and you're kindling and, and that's, that, that's a problem. The guy who puts the water in the pot is doing Bishel. And the guy who puts the spices in the pot is also doing Bishel. Both of them are doing Bishel. I have to figure out what's the malacha, the guy who puts down the empty pot, right? What did he do wrong? So we'll have to figure that out. We'll get to that. And then the last guy, the last guy who's magus, is a very interesting thing. The guy who stirred the pot, he's also chayv. We shouldn't say it's also bishop because he, uh, he, he hastened the process of the, cook, of the cooking. By stirring it, it cooks quicker. So again, if all these guys doing things on Shabbos, one guy's bringing a fire, one guy's bringing the wood, he puts it in the fire, one guy's putting the pot in position, one guy's putting water into the pot on the fire, one guy's putting spices in the pot on the fire, and then the seventh guy is stirring it. All these guys are doing malacha. It says in another bride, only the last guy is I'm going through and everybody else is potter. What's going on? What in the world is going on? We have one bride saying everybody's chayv, each guy who participates. And we have another guy, one bride saying that only the last person is chayv. So the Gemara explains, little kasha. How the eyes of car? The first bride, so which says that they're all liable, is talking about a case where the fire was already there first. Meaning, if the fire was brought first, and one guy brought the fire, so he did have our. And another guy brought wood, added to the fire, he did have our also. Another guy put the pot on, the empty pot, we have to see still what he did wrong. But then another guy put water in, that's Bishel, because he put it on a pot on the fire. Another guy came along and put in spices, he's also doing Bishel. Another guy stirs it, he's also doing Bishel. There, everybody's chayv. How the eyes are the bizarre. But the second price that says only the last guy is chayv, he's talking about where fire is brought at the end. So meaning, if you put a pot down on an empty spot, obviously he didn't do anything wrong. If I put wood down on an empty spot, I didn't do anything wrong. If I put water in an empty pot, it's not that there's no fire underneath, I didn't do anything wrong. If I put spices on a pot with nothing wrong, I didn't do anything wrong. If I stir a pot that there's no fire under again, I didn't do anything wrong. Then finally, what happens is somebody lights a fire underneath it, that guy's going to be high. Very, very interesting, uh, different, it's like a riddle. They switch the order, though. Exactly, exactly. In other words, the first price they're talking about, a guy brought a fire first, so he did a bar. And then a guy added, added, added uh, wood, so he did more of a bar. Guy put down a pot, something's wrong with that, putting a pot on a fire, we'll see. And then when the guy's put in the water and the spices and stir it, so they're all doing special, because they're doing that on, a, on water, they're doing it on a pot that's on a fire. The second price, where only the last guy's high, everybody did everything when there was no fire. The last step was the guy brought a fire. So obviously, he only, only he's going to be high. Everybody else didn't do anything wrong. They just like programmed that eventually there was going to be a bishop, but they didn't do it. So I come Bishlama Kulukov and Maisa. We understand how most of them mentioned here are high because they're doing a malacha. We understand, right? Even if there's a fire already there, but what's the. It says that the guy who put the empty pot in position, he just put down the pot, he's high. What, what, what did you do? You know, this guy put in the water, guy put in spices, guy who stirred it, we understand, they're cooking. But the guy who just took the pot and put it onto a fire, what, what did he do wrong? And this is why it's related to They're discussing a new pot. We should leave it from It's the same reason that they answered heating up the tile on Yantif. What's the idea? When you have a new pot, you heat it up for the first time, it hardens the pot, and that's considered makma potash. That's considered putting the finishing touches onto the kli, and that's why it's awesome. So that's the malacha for the guy who took the new pot, fresh pot that had never been hardened so well, and then he puts it down on a fire, so he's higher from Makaba Batish. That's his thing. Yeah. You can't say that because if the pot was never put down, the other few people wouldn't have done anything wrong. Yeah, it's a great it's point. It's like the fire. 
yeah. fire was never lit, then. Yeah. No it sounds like that's all only like, it's like too causative. It's too much of like a grumma. Like we're looking for like a miser where it's like you did what are the 39 malachas, you know? So everybody else, yeah, Avar, when you're moving the fire, when you're moving the fires, it was, you know, fanning up. So therefore you're high. The guy, the guy who put down the wood in the fire, again, he's doing Avar. The guy who put down the water in the pot on the fire, the guy who put the spices in the pot on the fire, all those things make sense. But uh, yeah, yeah. The biggest chiddush here is Megas. This is the real, the only real makar that Megas is chayev, that you're not allowed to stir a pot on a fire. Very interesting, Allah comes up a lot on Shabbos. Pashup Shabbat, Megas is only asr when the food isn't cooked yet, because that's the whole thing, you're expediting the cooking process. I said, that's very interesting. Kobo, we're machmir, you're not allowed to do hagasa on a fire, even if it's already cooked. You can't open up a chon and stir it, even if it's already cooked. It's very hard. It comes from the Gemara, it's very hard to understand why. Pashup Shabbat in the Gemara is that it's only when you're expediting the cooking. Says the Gemara, Tadar Abanon, it was taught in the Bryce. Tadar Yoram Chadashim, a new oven or a big stove. They're no, like, they're no different than any other Kilim, and they're allowed to be moved around. What's the Pshat? You're not allowed to bake or cook on Shabbos. What we're saying, Rashi explains that um, they're big store. They were also, in those days, they were used as storage. Like, I know it sounds a little weird, but like, would you ever think of doing that? You need to do some extra space to store stuff. Would you store it in your oven? No, you wouldn't, right? Because you use it once in a while. Gemara's times wasn't like that. So they also double the storage boxes, and therefore they're kalim and they can be moved around. You're not allowed to smear them with oil, because they would smear the ovens. Why would they do that? It would smooth it over, or give it a shine. So that's us, you're being masak of the mana. In touch with some of this, you can't rub them with a cloth. That's also done to make it, its appearance better. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to cool them down with cold water in order to harden them. Right After you would heat it for the first time, the oven would be cooled down. They would sprinkle water on it. That would, that would harden it. So, you know, it's not just the heat that hardens it. The real hardening is like hot, and then when cold goes on it, it would get really hard. So you're not allowed to do that. But if it's being cooled down in order to bake, then it's mutter. If it's yontif, and the oven was so hot that it would burn the bread, then it could be cooled down in order to use it for baking. Now, the shayla is, how is this mutter? Isn't that machshir ochol nafesh or something? So a lot of you should explain that. The case is it's mamish in the baking. You know, it's in the middle of the baking. And the bread is about to burn unless you do something quickly. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're quickly throwing water on it to cool it down. Says the Gemara, we get a lot of technical food preparations. You could scald the head and the legs of an animal. So the reason they used to do this is they would, they would want to take off the hair. There'd be a lot of hair in the animal. You don't want it to cook. You don't want it to cook. So they would scald it. And that's what's or Or you could singe like put it like they would like singe it for a second in the fire. That's much more to be done again to get off the hair to cook. You're not allowed to cover them with charses. Charses was a, spe- a special like um, cement, like a lime kind of mixture, like plastered, and they would put it sometimes over the skin of the animal to re- remove the hair. But we're saying that's not allowed to be done. Um, that's an interesting thing because this is done more professionally. This is done like by tanners to remove the hair. So that's also onion. You have to do just more like a, a home method where you scald it in the water, like we said, or you singe it. But to do this professional plaster thing, you should blow by Adama or with earth. But with Seder also, that shouldn't be done. It goes into some experiment. Another thing is that you shouldn't use scissors to cut them. Why? Because usually when you use scissors and you're cutting the hair, you're doing it for the hair. Now there's a malacha called gozes, a shear. When you take a scissors and you take off uh, the hair of a live animal, that's actually awesome. Now, from a dead animal, it's only a drabonin cut off the hair of a dead animal, so long will grow it. But still it resembles, that it looks like you know, you're doing it for the hair, and therefore it shouldn't be done. The even goes into the Yerkim's special, and all that, you're not allowed to trim a vegetable with special scissors. 
So meaning we're talking about a vegetable that was already cut off the ground before Yantiv, but there's a lot of dried leaves. That have, you have to trim them. You have to trim off those things. So if you're going to use a kli, nice fancy you know, scissors that's made specially to do that, then it looks like you're violating Yantiv. Why? Because somebody's going to say that you probably also used that scissors to pluck from, from the ground. But you didn't. You, you didn't pluck it from the ground. You didn't do code sir, But somebody might say you did. So therefore, you're not supposed to use the special scissors to trim the vegetables. You're allowed to prepare kundas and achvios. Rashi explains that there was a lot of effort in preparing them. I'm not sure exactly what the effort is in the preparation, but it's whatever it is, as long as it's directly for the vegetable, it's mutter. You're allowed to make a fire and bake in a very big furnace, meaning the chiddush is that it's really, really big, and there's a lot of effort that you have to heat it up. So somebody could say, maybe that's not mutter, it's too much effort on the antifi, you should only use smaller ovens. I'm saying there's no such thing. You could do use a huge industrial size, you know, oven thing, whatever you want. You're allowed to heat water up in your antichi. This is also antichi is like a, it's like a um, kind of like a hot water thing which you keep for a very long time. It's like they would heat up water, coals on the bottom, and this and that, and they would pour water in it. Would, you like for the whole week you would have hot water. So somebody might say it looks like you're preparing for afriyantif, but we say no, it's still allowed to be done. Open before you're not allowed to bake in a large brand new furnace because it might crack. Again, we saw this idea before. If it's never been fired up, it might crack and you wasted your time on Yantif. So therefore, that you shouldn't do. Okay, sometimes they used to fan the fire, right? The way you blow on the fire, make air in front of the fire, and then it does good. So you're not allowed to do it with a special kli called a mafuach. A mafuach is like a special, you know those things like they look like accordions and you go in front of the fire, that's what it is. So the real special kli, it's like someone who does malacha, they all have one of those. So you shouldn't use this special one to fan out the fire. But you want to just use a simple tube, that's much, you want to use a more, again, more of a home method than the professional method, that's allowed. You're never allowed to repair a grill, a spit, or to sharpen it. That's also, again, this is preliminary to the food preparation, which is not allowed to be done, according to these prizes. A little bit more here. You can't crack open a read the salt, a roasted fish on it. I'm sorry, to roast the salted fish on it. Again, what you want to do is you want to have something. You don't want to put the fish directly on the grill because it will burn it right away. It's too small. So you want to remove the outer layer of the reed to like make a nice little roasting, roasting kli. So we say that that's also, that's like masak and mana. You're making a kli in order to, to utilize for the roasting. That's also. You can crack a nut with a cloth. So it's not so simple how you would do this, right? You know, like it's like uh, they would bing. They put a bunch of nuts in the cloth and they would bing all together on it. So that's totally mutter. We're not concerned that the cloth is going to tear, right? If you think about it, tearing isn't even so bad here. Rashi explains, even if it would be korea, you're not doing it in a, in a constructive way. It would be destructive. Korea is only aser midaraisa. When it's constructive, you're, you're ripping in order to make it better to sew. Here, even if the cloth would rip, when you bang on it to get the shells out, to get the nuts out, it would only be like a drabonin form. It wouldn't be so bad. Um, so that's why we're not concerned for that. So if you want to put a bunch of the nuts in a cloth and then bang all together on them to crack them open at the same time, uh, we allow such a thing to be done. Okay. Says the Mishnah. Says that, now we talk about this idea on, on, on Yantif and Shabbos. Things which are totally inedible, obviously are muksa. Things which are semi-edible, we have this a little bit. I think we touched on this back on top of for a little bit. They, they, they could lose their muksa status if you designate them, like when, when you partial, when you dry out figs or something. So it's like they enter a state of inedibility, and then the more they dry out, the more edible they become. So if it's like in the middle, they could eat it. Uh, some people would, some people wouldn't. 
So there, like a designation kind of can be effective to remove the muksa status. So Odom, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi said another thing here. Omid Adam al muksa, person can stand next to foods which are muksa. So again, Rashi includes us in what we're talking about. Let's say we have some figs, some grapes that were set out to dry. And they definitely become dried to the point that some people would eat them. But not everybody would eat them. They're not like it's totally dried out. They're not definitely like something you would serve. So something that, the way that it is, without anything, they would stand to be moksa, but it's easy to remove it. So you stand over these foods, which currently are moksa, Rabbi Lezer says. Turn into the Abtablam Bay's Erev Shabbos Vashviyas, right? On a Friday during the Shemitah year. So we're, we're emphasizing that it's Shemitah because if it's not Shemitah, then we have another issue here. They're, they're, they're re- another reason that they're going to be muksa. another issue. The other issue is that you didn't take off Trumas and Maestros. If you didn't take off Trumas and Maestros, forget about them, whether they're edible or not edible. If you didn't take off Trumas and Maestros, yeah, you're not going to be able to enjoy them on Shabbos. You're not allowed to take off Trumas and Maestros on Shabbos. So the bride said, the Mishnah says, oh, we're talking about Shemitah when there's no Maestro, right? During Shemitah, everything's Hefker. You could take it. And when everything's Hefker, you don't take off Maestro. Maestro is only taking when you grew something, you own something, and then the halacha is you have to separate before you eat. But when something is taken from the hefker, there's no obligation to take off miser. Okay, so we don't have any miser concern. We're talking specifically in Shemitah, your produce, and just you went home, you took it, you picked it from the field, you brought it home, and now you've got, um, you're drying them out, and they're somewhat edible, somewhat inedible, and we're saying that if you designate it, Rebbe Lezer is saying, Omer, and you say, you say from here, I'm gonna eat tomorrow. Right? Even if you just make an oral designation, you don't do anything more, and you're not even deciding which ones you're going to take. You just say, from here I'm going to eat tomorrow. It's not like you go over to a specific fig and say this one, and you definitely are not even handling it, you're not inspecting it, you're not seeing exactly where it is. You just come up to the roof, see, you survey the scene, you see that there's some figs drying out, you say, from here I'm going to eat tomorrow, that's totally fine. That, that's enough of a designation to remove the muksa status. And again, we have no issue of the fact of Trimus and Maestros, because we're talking about during the Shemitah year when the produce isn't obligated in Trimus and Maestros. The Chachamim Omer and the Chachamim say, no, in order to remove the Moksa status, you need a little bit more. Adshe Yershum, you have to mark off the Yomar and say, Mikan Mikan, Mikan Vadkan, from here until here. So the Rabbanan are saying it's not enough just to say from here, and they're not enough just to say, um, just to say. You have to get more involved, you've got to mark it off, and you also have to come and say and, 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 and specify which specific thing. It seems like Rashi explains that the machlokas is whether or not we say yesh or ein Yesh or ein is again when you give a das initially, which is uh, not specific. You leave it, you, you leave it open, you leave it vague to be determined. You know, from here I'm going to take tomorrow. Which ones? I know we'll figure it out. Then you come on Shabbos and you take a specific date. Might could I say this one is retroactively determined to be the one that was designated? So if you say yesh so it's good. You say embryo, it's no good. So that's the machloka. So everybody agrees you need to designate them. The question is what exactly affects a designation? Okay. Now we're going to get into a little bit of Trimus and Maestro stuff, and uh, we'll see how it's relevant to us. So maybe just a little bit of an introduction for us. So basically, you, fruit grows, vegetables grow. So you eventually have to take off Trimus and Maestro, and, and, and you're not allowed to eat it before you do that. It's called Teva. But it only becomes obligated in Trimus and Maestro when two things happen. Number one is nigma malachta. The process, the production is finished. Right? So even if it's growing, obviously it's not high, but even if once it's detached from the ground, there's still a lot of malachta that has to be done, gathering it together and this and that. So until you, until, until you, you finish all the malachta of growing the agriculture, then it's, um, it's not yet obligated. It's not yet chayv and shumas and maizers. Number two is that you're not obligated when it's out in the field. You're only chayv to take up shumas and maizers once you bring it into a, a private courtyard or a house, once it's bought el once it comes in, to a private place. So you need both of those conditions to be met 
in order to be chayv in terms of ma'asos. And, and before that, you're allowed to snack. You're allowed to have snacks. Right? So let's say you're out there in the field, producing it, you're making a pile, you, all your figs, you're allowed to take a snack. There's no violation of tevel. In order to be chayv in terms of ma'asos, it has to be finished, the malacha, and it has to also be brought in. And the idea, yeah. Done is the that everyone expects it to be, or like with the drying out situation, is it oh. when they're finished drying out? Right, 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 right. Is to yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are good questions. I think it might depend which fruit, what's normal, how it's normally eaten, and all of that. It gets like extremely technical. It's not as like go through and that's just like each specific fruit. Like what is its, what is its kamar malach? Oh, so exactly. Yeah, it could definitely vacillate. Yeah. And the idea is, let's just add something. You're not allowed to have achilas keva. You're only allowed to snack. Yes, when you have achilas kevah, you make a whole meal out of something that is aser. We're only saying you're allowed to snack before, um, again, before this gemara malacha and before it's brought inside. So here we see an interesting halacha. Shabbos, any food you're going to eat on Shabbos. Oh, we mentioned this yesterday a little bit yesterday at the kiddush. Any food that you eat on Shabbos is like more significant. So therefore, it's amazing. Oh, it's mom's amazing to learn this gemara today. It, it, anything that you eat on Shabbos has more of a din of kevah. Even if, it, even if you view that it's more of a, it, it, it appears like it's more of a, a casual eating, it's really not. For Shabbos, it's more of a permanent eating. So on Shabbos, you have, a, you have an issue with these done because even if you're only snacking, but it's a, oh, it, it's a kvias. Everything on Shabbos is a kvias because of the fact that it's Shabbos. So therefore, you have an issue with eating things that happen in terms of Meisers more on Shabbos than during the week. During the week, you could say, hey, there's no Kamar Malach, I didn't bring it inside my house yet. It's just casual, it's just a snack. On Shabbos, it's hard to say that. On Shabbos, once it's, once it's Shabbos food, you don't have that. So here we see, we're going to get into this concept. Tonight also, we learned in the Mishnah, Tinoko Shashon Tatein and of Shabbos, children who had to hid figs in the field before Shabbos. They were planning their Shabbos party. So they hid some figs out in the field. They said, we'll come back on Shabbos and eat it. They forgot, and they never took off Tremes and Maisos from them. Okay, so the question is, are they allowed to eat this on Shabbos? So we say, and then they totally forgot about it. Even after Shabbos, the Matzah Shabbos, certainly they can't take off Chumas on Shabbos, but even the Matzah Shabbos, now they're not allowed to eat as a snack unless they take off Meister first. Why? What's the part? Because since they were designated for Shabbos, to use on Shabbos, so now what happened is, is that they became obligated in Chumas and Meister. So very, very chiddish. Because again, any food that you're going to eat on Shabbos is Keva, the type of Keva, so therefore it's obligated you. It requires taking off Jumas and Meisers. They were, they were designated that they were going to be eaten on Shabbos, even though that didn't happen. So now it became designated, it became significant. Now you can eat them as a snack um, unless, unless they are, unless they're taking Jumas and Meisers. Why are we talking about kids? It's a chedesh. We're saying even what a kid does, get, right? Even when the kid prepares it for his Shabbos, for his Shabbos snack, that's considered um, a designation. Now it becomes obligated to and Meisers, and it can't be eaten without tithing first. Another example, we learned another Mishnah, so someone spreads figs out in his courtyard to dry. Right, so his children, as everyone can snack from them, they're exempt from being dived. Why? Because even though they're in your backyard, but there's not a Kamar Malacha. You're spreading them out to dry. They're not, they're not in a state yet where they're finished being produced. And again, they're ripe, there's no question, but it's not considered complete because there's being, they're being spread out to dry. So we see some interesting ideas. The first Mishnah said that Shabbos is Machai of taking off Trumas and Meisers, everything is Keva. And the second Mishnah says that even though we said that, uh, you know, a house, normally bringing it in a house, you're Chayev, but if you bring in a house in an unprocessed, unfinished way, then it's okay. So the Gemara now declares a Lamda Shishayla. Does Shabbos give a Chiyav 
from books of Meister. In other words, does it make that the Trimah's Meister's obligation will set in even on produce that hasn't yet been complete? So in other words, we know that Shabbos has an effect that it makes it more permanent. So even things which haven't been brought inside yet, things which are still out in the field, are like in the kid with the fig, the case of the kids, the kids with the, the figs in the field, Shabbos gives it a permanence and they're not allowed to snack. But what if the figs were still not finished being produced? What if you would change the scenario? It's not that the kids stopped where it was out in the field, had to be brought in. It was still unfinished. It, was un, it wasn't a Gemara Malacha. And then you want to eat it on Shabbos. Is that forbidden? Do we say, It says, you make the Shabbos an Oneg. And that's why anything that you eat on Shabbos is more of a mitzvah. It's an Oneg. It's not a snack. It's as a dinner of a meal. So therefore, cover. The Shabbos gives an obligation to take off Trumas or Maestros. Even if the produce, but the processing of the produce was not yet complete. That's the effect that Shabbos will have. Shabbos will still make it a kvias. So even though normally... With the Dover Shlodeg Mamalachsi, you're not chayv in Shemitz or Maestros, but on Shabbos you will be. Because on Shabbos we will say that since it's an oneg, so it's a keva, it's considered more of a kviyas, an established thing, and therefore you have to take up Shemitz or Maestros. Oh, Doma, no. Dover Shlodeg Mamalachsi, Dover If the process was complete, just you didn't bring it inside, that's where we say that Shabbos is kovea, and you're chayv to take up Shemitz or Maestros before you eat. But but the produce, if the processing is not complete, the Shabbos is not going to establish the obligation. So basically, there's two steps for a chiv, for a tevil to set in. Number one is this processing is complete. Number two is that it's brought inside. So we know if the process is completed, just it's not yet brought inside. We know Shabbos is kovet. We know that then Shabbos gives it a kviyas, you're not allowed to snack on it. Our, that's what we saw, let's say, from the case with the figs and the kids in the field. But our shaila is, we see if you bring something into your house, but it's not nigma malachla, you're not chayv and shemitz So if there's figs that still have to be dried out and they're drying out in your, in your backyard, in your greenhouse, we still say that, that, that they're, they're potter from shemitz ha-maizos. What would Shabbos have to do? Is Shabbos koveya even on a davar shalom nigma malachla? Or is it only kaveya on a davar shenigma malachta? That's our question. And again, we know the concept of Shabbos kovats. We're not, we're not talking about the question and the, the concept in general. We know that Mishnah with the kids and the figs in the field. For sure, if it's davar shenigma malachta, there's no question Shabbos is kovat. But our even though it's not brought inside yet, our question is specific if it's davar shalonigma malachta. Do we say that Shabbos is kovat and it's teva or not? So Rabbi Nachman said, Amalei, Shabbos Kovah, Shabbos gives the Chiv to take off Trimus and Maitros, Bein B'davosh Yemavalachta, whether the processing is complete, Bein B'davosh Yemavalachta, whether the processing is still incomplete. Either way, we say Shabbos is Kovah, and even though, even though it's um, not, finished, taking off, not yet finished being processed, let's say the figs are still drying out, you're not allowed to eat it on Shabbos before you take off Trimus and Maitros. So Rabbi says, how do you know, Amalei? Maybe the power of Shabbos is only like the power of bringing it into a courtyard. Just as bringing the courtyard doesn't make an obligation, unless it's something where the processing was complete. So too, maybe by Shabbos it's like that. You shouldn't establish a chiyav unless the produce had a gemar malacha. So how do you know? We know that, that Shabbos has the power to be, to be, to be uh, Shabbos has the power to be koveya. But maybe it only has the power in a davar shalom not in a davar shalom it's something that we just know. We have a tradition that is true. We just know it. That's the tradition. That's the way it is. The kviyas of Shabbos, this din, that you're not allowed to eat from, from produce um, on Shabbos before, before tithing it, you know that that's true even on a davar. 
Now we're going to see why we're learning about this. This is going to be related to our Mishnah. We see this from our Mishnah as well. Why? What does the Mishnah say? Our Mishnah said, A person is standing next to foods that are muksa, right? Let's say there are figs that are drying out. He says, It was a Friday during the Shemitah year. Remember, for Shemitah is significant because there's no chi of Chumas or Maitras. And he designates his food for Shabbos. So why did the Mishnah say we're talking about Shemitah? Time of the Shvi is the Labar Yisur. The implication is it's only okay to eat it on Shabbos because it's the Shemitah year when there's no halacha that you have to take off Chumas or Maitras. Had it been any of the other years of the seven-year cycle, it would be usher to use this fruit on Shabbos, right? Why? Because even though you're going to designate, hey, it's not muksa, but the issue is going to be you're going to take off Chumas or Maitras. Now, wait a second. The figs are still being dried out. They're not nigmar malafta. That's the whole point, right? The whole point is, it's not, there's, no, there's no gmar malacha here. It's still in a state of drying out. Only some people would eat it. It's clearly not finished. And that's the whole point why you're designating it. So if it's not finished, then what would the problem be, even if it would be the sixth year, when there is a chi of trumas and maizros? But why can't you snack on it on Shabbos without taking on trumas and maizros? It's not, there's no gmar malacha. Must be my time, but why is it an issue? The problem is because you want to eat it on Shabbos. And if you're going to eat it on Shabbos, Shabbos is kava. And it gives a chiv to the trimmers of Maestros to take off. It makes a tevel, even if it's not nigmar malachta. Very gishmak proof. So we had a question if Shabbos is kovas, even on Dabr Shalom malachta. We had a great proof. Our mission is talking about figs which are in the middle of drying out. It's low nigmar malachta. The mission has said if it's the seventh year, you could designate it before Shabbos to eat from here tomorrow. It sounds like if it's not the seventh year, you're not allowed to. So clearly we see that there's an issue that you're not, you're not going to be able to eat from them tomorrow if it's not the seventh year because you more mavish from Maestros, even though it's not a little malachta. Must be because Shabbos is Kofeah. So the Gemara says it's not a proof. Lo, Shani got some different in our Mishnah. Kivan Damar Mikana ni Since he said, I'm going to eat from here tomorrow, Kavalei Ola. His, 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 his declaration has made it Kofeah. What do we mean to say with this? Since he called it his food, he gave it significance. It's not the fact that it's Shabbos. Really, Shabbos is only Kofeah. The reason here it's going to be Asr is because when the person calls it his food, that gives it a Kofeah. Very interesting idea. You're allowed to snack before it becomes teva, but you're not allowed to eat keva. What's called keva? What's called snack? If you say this is my food, you use those words. Those words themselves, like we said, you know, This is my food tomorrow. Those words themselves give it a dinkias. So really, the power of Shabbos that it stops you from snacking on something may only be on a davar shalom Maybe Shabbos not go there. The pshat why our mission is only during Shemitah, not during the other years, is because during the other years, if you call it your food, that's going to be the bad. So it's not the Shabbos, it's the fact that you called it your food. So why is the mission talking about Shabbos? Even on a weekday, that would be true. Meaning, if it's, if it, if it's the Shabbos that's doing it, so then very good. Then it makes sense why the mission is, is saying that it's only during Shemitah, not during the other years, because the idea is that, and he's going into Shabbos, the Shabbos will make it uh, in the other years, the Shabbos would make it usher to eat. But if we say that it's not the Shabbos that's making it usher to eat, it's the fact that you're declaring it to be your food, which gives it a permanence, then the halacha would be true during the week as well. If I would have the six-year produce, which is which it's theoretically going to be chayv in, in tavel, become tavel, and if I would say, this is my food tomorrow, then I wouldn't be allowed to eat it without taking off trimmers and maestros. So why are we only talking about Shabbos? So in other words, we're saying really Shabbos only has an effect on Davr Shunik maybe Shabbos doesn't have an effect. I and the Mishnah wise would only talk about Shviyas, because since you're saying this is my food tomorrow, that makes it Kavua. If that's the Vart, then that should be true on the weekday as well. 
So the Gemara says, how come Ashwala? This is what the Mishnah is telling us. The Tevil Mukhanu eats on Shabbos. Tevil is considered prepared for Shabbos use. If Bidi Evid, if you would do the wrong thing and you would take off Trimas and Maitsus on Shabbos, it would be now Mesukin and you'd be allowed to use it. So what in the world is going on here? So what's going on here is as follows. The reason the Mishnah is talking about Shabbos was to tell us a complete tangent. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said an Arab Shabbos during Shemitah, you're allowed to go on Arab Shabbos and say, Mikan on the it's mashma on the Mishnah that, that if it would be during another year, that's not Shemitah, a person should not do that. Why should he not do that? Because the next day, it's still going to be Tevel. He's going to have an issue of eating the Shumas and Maizros, and it's also to take off Shumas and Maizros on Shabbos. Now, it's mashma on the language, it should not be done. In other words, because the Mishnah said, on Ere Shabbos during the Shemitah, Omer Adam, a person may lechatchila go and designate the stuff. The Mashmah says, if it's not Shemitah, it should not be done. But the implication is that if it would be done, you'd be allowed to eat the fruit. If you would go during the sixth year, you would designate your fruit. Now it's Tevel, you're not going to eat it. Now you go on Shabbos and you do the wrong thing. And you take off Trumas or Maitras. Bid the Evid, could you eat it? Yes, it's Mashman, but the Evid, you could eat it. Because if not, then the Mishnah should have made the contrast more. The Mishnah made the contrast during the Shemitah year, you may do this. This is good, good to go. The Mashman says during the sixth year, ideally you shouldn't do it because you're going to take off Trumas or Maitras and Shabbos. But if you did, it would be okay. If not, the Mishnah could have worded it in a much stronger way. This only is going to work during the Shemitah year. During the other years, it wouldn't work. Even if you tried it, it wouldn't work. It would be muksa, it would be also muksa, machmas, iser. Even if you tried to take off Shemitah Maitras, you wouldn't be allowed to eat it. The Mishnah didn't say it that strong. The Mishnah just said it in the sense during Shemitah, you're allowed to do lechatchila. The Mashmah says during the other years, lechatchila, you shouldn't do it, but b'diyavid, you could. So we're telling us a tangential chiddush. What's the tangent? The tangent is that even when I have teva, and you're not allowed to take off on Shemitah Maitras on Shabbos, if you do go take off Shemitah Maitras on Shabbos, b'diyavid, could you eat the fruit? Yes, you could eat the fruit. And it's a big chiddush because somebody could say it's muksa machmas iser because the fruit was inaccessible, inaccessible. Unless you were going to do something wrong on Shabbos to take off chumas and maizros, you would never be allowed to eat the fruit. So somebody might say it's muksa even if you did the wrong thing, and you were, if you would do the wrong thing, you were sacking it on Shabbos. It's muksa. Kamashalon, no. Since taking off chumas and maizros on Shabbos is only the rabbanan iser, you're not allowed to do it. But if you did do it, the fruit lamaisa wouldn't be muksa. So that's why the Mishnah is talking about Arab Shabbos. The Mishnah wanted to talk about Arab Shabbos to bring out this Chiddush. What would be during the other years? We're saying, Lechatchila, you shouldn't do it. But B'diyavid, if you would follow through and did the wrong thing, and you took off Shemitah and Maizah on Shabbos, B'diyavid, the food would be allowed to be eaten. That's why the Mishnah spoke about Shabbos. So let's make a summary of what's going on. We have this underlying issue, which we're not sure about. We know there's a concept of Shabbos Kovas, which is that normally... You have something which is finished being produced, then you bring it inside your house, it becomes tevel, chayv, trimas, and maizros. That's the basics. Shabbos, if something is finished, you're not allowed to eat it on Shabbos even before you bring it in the house. Shabbos kovas. We have a suffix. Our question is Shabbos kovas, even on a davar shalom, big We have a big suffix about that. We want to bring a riot from our mission. Our mission is talking about unfinished stuff, figs that are still being dried out. You're designating them before Shabbos. And it's saying you're not going to be able, and it's saying that you're allowed to do this because it's Erev Shabbos Shemitah. Sounds like only Shemitah, not during the other years. Must be during the other years. You wouldn't be allowed to eat it on Shabbos because it's devil, even though it's Davar Shalom Ramalachah. The Gemara is rejecting that proof. Lamaisa, the Gemara is coming out that the Pshad and the Mishnah might be because you've designated it, you called it your food. And by designating it and calling it your food, that's what's being covered for Miser. And that Allah and Achanami would be true even on the weekday as well. It wouldn't be specific because of Shabbos. That Allah would be true during the week as well. The reason the Mishnah is speaking so much about Shabbos is because we want to bring out the following Chiddush. We want to bring out the Chiddush 
that if somebody um, is doing this before Shemitah, it's allowed to be done, but during the rest of the years, it's only that it shouldn't be done. But if it was done, and then after the fact, I have Tevel, which was taken off on Shabbos, after the fact, Lamaisa, you'd be allowed to eat the fruit, and we don't say that it's Muksa Machmas Isser since you weren't supposed to take off the Tevel on Shabbos.